won't have to work and slave. Let electricity do it for you. You can add to Yes, attention. To help carry on our important work, I want you to join the secret squadron and wear this official badge and have this secret decoder. Welcome back to another episode of Around Comics, a special bonus episode of AC. Bonus, 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 episode, bonus, episode, 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 episode. You like all the echo, echo, echo. Uh, yeah, hey, what's up? It's uh, I'm Sal, it's Christopher Neesman, and we have a special guest for this special episode, Will Piper. What's up, Will? Hey, guys. How you doing? Mr. The Movie Man of Rockford himself. I was once the movie man. No longer, alas. <laughs> but we are talking about uh, a movie on this episode. This is this is kind of a... We just threw one out there uh, for uh, for listeners. We did the same thing with Invincible uh, a couple weeks ago. And we had a gap week in between TV shows for ACTV. And so we figured that we would do uh, a movie. A one so thought, that is. Uh, we thought we had a gap week. We actually didn't. But we didn't. Yeah. And so yeah. So we're just gonna yeah. We're just gonna you know throw this one out there into the regular feed. Give people a taste of what the ACTV episodes are like over at uh, Patreon, and uh, you can get that at uh, Patreon.com/slash/AroundComics. But uh, yeah, we're talking about Repo Man from 1984. It is a movie that I think is near and dear to all of our hearts a little bit. Uh, we'll find we'll find we'll find out if everyone likes it, loves it, I hates hate it. it. No, I didn't hate it. You want to watch the trailer before we begin discussion? Yeah, I yeah. yeah absolutely. All right, let's watch it. Approved for all audiences by the. What you got in the trunk? You don't want to look in there. You don't want to. Look in there. <laughs> This guy is the skinniest cop I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, all, all, all cops were skinny in 84. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp or shrimp. plate of shrimp. Out of the blue, no explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. You eat a lot of acid, Miller, back in the hippie days? (laughs) Sell that car and spend me your money. You don't need that car. Put it on a plate, son. You'll enjoy it more. Couldn't enjoy it anymore, Mom. Mm -mm -mm. This is swell. What's this? <laughs> Charming friends you got there, Otto. Thanks. I made it myself. I had a lobotomy in the end. Lobotomy? Isn't that for loonies? 
Not at all. A friend of mine had one. I do my best thinking on the bus. That's how come I don't drive, see? You don't even know how to drive. I don't want to know how. I don't want to learn, see? The more you drive, the less intelligent you are. First thing I have to say is watching that. Could you imagine, like watching that in 1984? Yeah. Would you have any fucking idea what that movie is about? No. It doesn't even try to like really sell the movie. No. They're like, oh, here's some scenes that are yeah. you know that I love because I've seen it so many times. But yeah, coming in cold. What are you gonna? <laughs> no, nothing. You get nothing from that. Especially if you're coming in like you know I really like that Emilio Estevez. <laughs> I want to see his latest teen comedy. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, so you know, I I need to look at his filmography at, at that point. He had yeah. not been in a whole lot, right? No, I think he I'm, was in like some. He hadn't been in Breakfast Club yet. You know, he definitely hadn't been in stuff like Mighty Ducks and that. So he was. No. Uh, yeah. and he well, was in, I mean, he's uh, he was in the outside. obvious. That would that would have been his biggest outsiders. Outsiders, yeah. Outsider was because he's the biggest. He's the protagonist of the movie. Right, has by far the biggest role, and is not the top build. No, Harry Dean is. Yeah, who had done a ton of stuff up to then. You know, um, the guy uh, Dick Rude, who plays his bald punk buddy. Yes, in the movie, he co-wrote it, and it was throughout like a lot of the pre-production thought he was going to star. And then they're like, the studio's like, we need a bigger name. <laughs> We're getting Martin Sheen's kid. <laughs> He'll be in it. Yeah. I uh, wonder how, this, how they got Martin Sheen's kid, Emilio Estevez, into this movie. Like, I yeah. wonder how, you know, like, this because this is a small film. Yeah, very small. Tiny. Yeah. And by a, an unknown director. Alex Cox, right? Yeah. For his first, weird yeah. script. I mean, you know, it's not like something... When you hear it, you're like, oh, Repo what? Man What's and it? Aliens, but it's not... Yeah. That's really not what the movie is like, you know. Is he a big a... Monkees fan, perhaps? Maybe, yeah, because... Maybe. Well, I don't know. Nesmith? That's I how Mike Nesmith... He's... You know, Emilio Estevez isn't... He's, like, not on the commentary track or anything, so... I don't know, like... This movie? <laughs> well, no, what I was going to say was, weirdly enough, my wife, who's a children's librarian, it must have been like two or three years ago, went to one of the big library conferences. I promise this story's leading somewhere. Okay. And Emilio Estevez was speaking oh, because he had made, he had directed and starred in this sort of small <laughs> movie about libraries. And he did a Q&A, and Amy said he was very friendly. And somebody asked him about Repo Man. And he, really? and he talked very lovingly about it. Like, he was proud of it, and he had a lot of fun doing it. And so... Interesting. Well, I mean, yeah. He I should mean, be proud old, of it. How old was he? It, this is a year before Breakfast Club. It's probably a year and a half before St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. So, I mean, he's... Is he is he 18? In he's this? 20... Well, he's, he would have been 22 in 1984, so he's probably 21 years... 21. 21. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty young because he's playing yeah. a high school dropout. I guess they imply because he says 
one yeah. point he tells his parents he'd go back to school if they'd give him the money. And the thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. And they spent the money and he's lying about going back to school. So it works out <laughs> for everybody. Exactly. They yeah, gave it's, the it's money a, to the reverend. They the gave reverend. Him, yeah. Five Bibles in El Salvador. <laughs> <laughs> it's such so, a weird movie. It, is it really is. Yeah. Odd, but also such a perfect like representation of like 1980s life in America, urban decay, social sort of apathy. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, this, captures, this is, this, it, it captures the yeah. punk culture better than any movie ever. I would agree. And I think like punk bands say that like this yeah. one, it feels like what it was really like to be a punk back then. Yeah. 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 Th- this is the movie equivalent of stumbling into your house after an all day bender and throwing whatever is in the refrigerator together to make something to eat. And it just miraculously turns out to be something really good. It- it's by complete accidents almost. Right. It- because it's not like the plot drags you you know it's like a compelling plot and it, it's like a bunch of hangout scenes and yeah. you kind of like these characters and listen to their crazy stuff and then it ends you know it's like it's yeah. not a good movie it's oh, a, I, well, no, I think it's a good movie but it's not no, a it's, it's not a it's a it's weird because it's it's not in any like at the it's greater than the sum of its parts i would agree I would, you know what yeah, i mean completely agree yeah yeah and i think it's because it is like it, like I said, like it captures that moment in time better than so many movies, mm-hmm. and and that feeling. I think, yeah, anyone in their teens and early twenties during that time period probably also had of right. of not sure where the country is going, not sure where you're going, not sure if you want to, you know, and just like the complete, you know, apathy for yeah. everything. I think it it really just grabs it. But it's also this weird movie that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, with aliens yeah. and radioactive flying cars. And yeah, it's like, you know, well, I mean, I mean I, it, it, so. it, it, it feels it for me. It feels like the uh, uh, film student, like senior project kind of film in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. It's like we're going to work in some, you know, really ham fisted, you know, trying to be super poignant lines and two scenes that don't really make a whole lot of sense for him to be there, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was. And then they undercut that too, you know, like, cause it's when his buddy's dying, he's like, I blame society. And he's like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And they undercut it. Or like when at the end, like, you know, is the woman he's with is she's like, what about our relationship? And he's like, fuck that. that. I didn't know what the language rules were in the round conference. But yeah, fuck that. There are there are no. no I think that's what makes it so good, though, also, is that yeah. it wasn't ever trying to be serious. I think that those moments were exactly what they end up being, which is. I mean, you even get it with like Emilio Estevez's character. He's this, you know, like you said, high school dropout. He's a punk. He doesn't give a shit about anything. His attitude is very, you know, punk rock where it's like, I, you know, I don't care about anything. I don't give a shit about anyone or anybody. And then he meets a bunch of dudes that are really don't give a shit. They're like them. real punk. Right. The media was kind of like pretend punk, but these guys, their lives are punk. Like. Exactly. <laughs> and, and he starts to realize like, oh, you know, maybe I've been kind of full of shit. 
Mm-hmm. Not that he even vo- he ever vocalizes that, but I think that moment with like when his buddy's dying and he, and it's it's a really weird scene. Yeah, you know, it's a very odd that whole scene. The way that it plays out is so odd. It's uh, like really violent for the movie too. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like really bloody, and all of a sudden, and- it turns into like a Tarantino film. Yeah. For- it's like a scene from yeah. Taxi Driver or something, yeah. Yeah, very odd. But like you said, he's you know he's like, oh, you know, I, I, society maybe do this. Like, no, you were a white suburban punk, just, just like like me. me. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, it's like, yeah, it's it's they're it's self aware. Oh, completely. Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I saw this when I was. I saw it. I think it must have been like five, maybe my freshman year of college. They showed it on campus. And I mean, I was growing up in Ohio. I listened to a lot of, I was sort of getting into what was punk music back then, but I was, you know, I wasn't a punk. I mean, look at me. I wasn't, you know, Mr. Punker. But <laughs> I mean, my buddies and I, we locked on to this movie. We must have watched the videotape like 50 times in college and we had the soundtrack. And I mean, we knew all the lines, you know, I could do Miller's whole rant about John Wayne, like here right now. And, you know. <laughs> I won't for <laughs> reasons that. Oh no, you must. You, you <laughs> could do it back then. You can't quite do it now. But... Nice. Uh, well, yeah, I think I, it it was it was a movie even in 1984. You're you're dealing with kind of rudimentary special effects, even in like a post you know Star Wars uh, movie world. But this was you know way low budget. But yeah. uh, I love, um, and you can just find this on the on the. The wiki page, the the wiki page for it is uh, Roger Ebert uh, talking about watching Repo Man, and I think he was coming to the end of a long week of watching a lot of formula romances and and you know just just formula Hollywood stuff, and uh, and he said Repo Repo Man came out of left field. It had no big stars, didn't cost much. It took chances. It dared to be unconventional. Is funny and works. There's a lesson here. So yeah. even for Roger Ebert in in 1984, you know, it's yeah. Is it a perfect film? No, but it stood out in in that year. We'll be back after a quick break. Do you ever wish you could sit in on a conversation with some of your favorite authors and listen to them talk about their writing process, their path to publication, and of course their newest novels? Hi, I'm Marissa Meyer, best-selling author of The Lunar Chronicles, and I would love for you to check out the Happy Writer podcast, where every week I talk with other writers about books, craft, inspiration, and how to bring a little more joy into our lives. The Happy Writer is available wherever you get your podcasts, or find us on Instagram at Happy Writer Podcast. And you know, I wouldn't want it to be any more perfect really or any slicker i mean kind of the rough edges or why you know it's it feels like it was made by guys who you know who were who didn't have much budget didn't have much time didn't have many big stars except for what harry dean is the biggest name in the cast i would think and got billed as such yeah and he's great too i mean by the way did you notice that the three guys the lot are named bud miller and light all named after beers that's hilarious (laughs) And Emilio Estevez's character, of course, is named Otto. Otto, Otto. yeah. Which Otto so so you're you're a movie guy. Um, do you think Emilio uh, Estevez is a good actor? I don't know. I mean, he's likable. 
you know, he's yeah. he's not, you know, Olivier or Brando or anything, but I think he's great. In this, he's yeah. I like him because he's he's like a blank slate. You know, he just kind of meanders <laughs> through the movie and he bounces off all the more colorful characters. Mm -hmm. But he's I no, think nobody, nobody gets angry and stomps off like oh, Emilio Estevez. Like Emilio. And, he, and it's all for like petty little <laughs> stuff like, you know, when his girlfriend cheats on him and he's all drinking outside and he starts singing TV party and shouting as he walks off into the distance and I think I think he was perfect for this cuz he's always had a weird I've always liked Emilio Estevez. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought like I don't know if there was more there or not. But I could see why people would would put him in movies because he has such an odd energy. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, he has such a weird, intense energy, and that was perfect for this because it was very punk. It was very, I don't give a shit, and and just he makes really weird decisions too. I think like, yeah, there's, there's always something with him in a movie where he'll do something that's just sort of odd in the way that he handled like. The scene where he, him, and uh, the one guy robbed the 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 red uh, Firebird, mm -hmm. and there's like going through all the shit in the car, and he just like he puts on these weird sunglasses. Exactly what I was thinking. And it's like that's Emilio Estevez. Like that's an Emilio Estevez thing. Mm -hmm. And then later, when they're like burning all that shit in a can, which by the way, why are they in the middle of nowhere burning that shit in a? You know, can't like. They needed Walter to deliver those lines. It's a nice shot. It is. It is. They're burning all that shit in a can, and he keeps something. And the only thing he keeps is a kid's book. It's like a golden. Yeah. Like a golden, and it's just such a such a weird, perfect little odd thing that he decides to do. But even like you said, like the way he he stomps off for no reason, or he. Just he he has such an awkwardness to him that works in way in some ways. Sometimes it works really well. It's like all the intensity of his father, without any of the the gravitas, maybe or like yeah like, yeah. yeah like the slick uh, uh yeah he doesn't have have the sort of grace. I mean, like when he's with uh what's her name when he first the the girl and they go back to the lab and he like basically like drops his pants and he's like let's yes. go and you know if it were a worse movie she'd be like oh definitely and she's like get out of here i'm at work <laughs> slaps him <laughs> he's just yeah laughing. he he i mean he plays the dumb jock who refuses to be a jock mm -hmm. you know it's that's who yeah, he played in you know and then in breakfast club a year later he, he played was the dumb, the jock. dumb jock yeah yeah, yeah uh yeah, it's. I mean, it is. Well, going back to what you're, there's a lot of pretty shots. Oh yeah, like that's one of the things that this movie, as low budget as it is, stands out. Is some of the cinematography is really good. Like, yeah, there's some yeah. great scenes. They use the landscape. They use, you know, the city really well, and just like parts of it that you know, yeah, just yeah. crappy parts and yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, just, there's there's one camera camera shot that in particular that that stood out where I think it was Harry Dean Stanton in the foreground in a, in a car and and it's um, uh, one of the other uh, secondary characters in in another car and just the way that it was framed it reminded me of um, watching the director cut of um, uh, the Matrix and how they went to a lot of like anime and and japanese filmmaking to you know 
they based a lot of their shots on that. So I saw some, you know, some very interestingly framed shots in, in Repo Man that kind of also made it feel like that art student film project. Yeah. And the way they just play with like the colors and like the way the neon lights and the gas lights are, you know, it's like night in Los Angeles and it's all desolate. I know it almost has this like sort of post-apocalyptic feel without actually taking place. Mm -hmm. Like, like the world has ended, but it looks pretty much the same as it did. And, (laughs) and then at the end, they really make a lot of the, you know, when the car is glowing, they, you know, that really like everyone who goes up to it, they, the lighting on them and the way Miller looks when he's in the car and, yeah, it's it's a good looking film that didn't cost a whole lot to make, I'm sure. Well, isn't the budget in the book that comes in oh, the yeah, yeah. the budget yeah, you guys you guys have the criterion collection. I just I uh, bought mine off of Amazon Prime Video. It's got this great green and you know the this is the, the, the slipcase poster. You can you used to be able to buy that yeah. poster. And it's I was the, gonna buy it and I never did, but the little foldy thing and then <laughs> the disc just says Disc, disc, like you know, food and drink and the. <laughs> well, that's you know, I want I want yeah. to talk about that. Like, um, oh, and then the cover to the. Yeah. Uh, and it's all like it's a big, thick book with, you know, a comic in it and everything. And it's like a punk scene, is what it is. It's it's yeah. really well designed. That's it's cool. very. I haven't spent enough time going through it yet. I just got this this week because I'm like, oh, I kind of wanted to buy this criterion edition in any way so it gave me a really good excuse to do it um and i'm glad i did like i don't own i don't buy very many dvds anymore but it's like the you know i was like oh this this is a perfect yeah to, uh... hey i was gonna ask you well there's a cartoon in like there's a comic strip uh-huh. in this book any idea who did it um let me see it's very indie it looks almost yeah like... it looks like somebody who would have been drawn not like a, somebody we should know, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, yeah, it does. It does. Um, I don't know. You would think they would credit there's a lot of thanks, production. Uh I don't know, I don't know. It doesn't say, but yeah, yeah it, it looks like someone oh, but I, what I was gonna ask you guys is that that was a really interesting like there's a lot of things in this that made uh you know, made it surreal, you know, it, yeah, or gave yeah. it a, a mm-hmm. bit of real feel to it um, outside of the green glowing, you know, Chevy Malibu, but like all the food, you know, everything is this generic branded yeah. cornflakes and milk and dog food and everything is Beer. just drink, yeah. drink. <laughs> like, yeah. literally as simple as you could possibly get. And, you know, I think there are things that they're talking about alex cox is sort of talking about in this movie about the 80s about nuclear weapons about reagan and and consumerism consumerism Mm -hmm. sure but it got me thinking this time watching it of like you know how fucking weird because there's a lot of scenes there's a couple not a lot of scenes but there's a couple scenes especially harry dean stanton talking about credit and like Mm -hmm. people credit his a credit is immaculate and that's all you know it's all you need is credit good credit kind of thing and it's like how weird is it? And especially at that point in time, because I think, you know, this maybe didn't even exist for very long. The, the idea of a repo man, the idea of there's someone's job to mm-hmm. go get your car because you bought something you couldn't afford right. on credit. Yeah. And, and now there's an entire industry 
dedicated or built around just coming to get your car. And that's a really weird fucking thing if you think about it, right? Like that's that's yeah, uh, sure. but I mean the heroes of this movie, that's what they do for a living is go get cars from people who couldn't pay their credit for them, yeah. their bills. But it, but it's just like that is I mean, it's so normal now, the idea of like, oh, you you bought something on credit, you can't afford it, now they take it back. Like that's a pretty like we don't even take that for granted. But I mean, that didn't exist until yeah, until I don't know. I mean, I know that he, I know Alex Cost talks like was friends with Repo Men in Los Angeles, and I think yeah. that's what like inspired the script. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's oh. like yeah, probably started in the sixties. You know, mm-hmm. when credit you cards know, late, took off, cards when credit cards started, or when but financing like, and Repo yeah. Men probably weren't around for very long. No. When this movie came out, like t- maybe twenty years, it was if that. I yeah, doubt yeah, it. I think you're probably right. And it's like, but now it's like that doesn't even seem like a weird thing. But if, if yeah, it you, seems like a natural thing. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow my credit, and then they're gonna come get it, and then <laughs> yeah. that's the way life is. That's now I'm gonna try and shoot them because that's what we do. But right. The idea of like that's the society we live in is that it's so common that people go out and buy things they can't afford right, yeah. on credit that there's mm. people now whose livelihood is to go get that stuff. And that's they, yeah. fucking weird and fucked up if you think about it. Like, that's yeah, really... Sure. And who yeah, is it? Is it light? The, the one guy who says, like, they're no different than you. They just, you know, there's some, there's some talk about, you know, back in, like, somebody tell oh, these scumbags deserve it. And some oh, people right, are like, right. no, they're just like you. They, you know, they're me like me and you, and they're... Well, I think is that when when like Harry Dean Stanton is when Bud's sort of, you know, he quits and he's getting all pissed off, and him and him and uh, Emilio Estevez are driving around, and he's like yelling about the bums. Yeah, why don't we get these bums? Why don't somebody, you know? And and it's like that's when the movie starts to kind of fall apart a little bit. Like it's starting to it starts to not make any sense. I mean, it didn't make a ton (laughs) of sense. But it yeah. starts to make like no sense at that point. <laughs> like things for me, for me, it's the it's the scene in the restaurant where his friends come in. And all of a sudden, she's like licking the licking woman's the woman's. Fingers. Yeah, that's a little yeah. And I'm just, her or her fake hand, and I'm just like, okay, well, we just went. Was we it went a full yeah. on? You know. I don't know. I love this movie, but there are a few elements that are thrown in. I'm like, I don't know how that pays off exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not that a lot and of it, it has to it, pay and, off, and it didn't. It was yeah. just. Fucking it's just weird. another weird thing about it, but yeah, the woman with the Michael Jackson glove. I mean, that's, yes, yeah, is it, a, is it a robot? Is it supposed to I be? Don't a know. Robot? They didn't have the budget for an actual robot hand, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so they just yeah, call I it. I think it's a block of wood with a with a yeah with a sparkly yeah, glove. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. That I was do like how his idiot punk friends keep showing up, and they're never like they're in another movie. They'd be like the intimidating bad guys, but they're just goofballs. They're, they're, they're not yeah, that smart and they're in way over their heads. And, yeah. and uh, people are going to yeah, die. Dick rude. Who's the, the bald uh, right. one. And then I didn't realize it until watching. I, wa- I was watching some of the um, interviews on the disc. Uh, the guy who plays the Mohawk. Like, <laughs> the looks like that. Yeah. That actor. He's I, in like he's in Jurassic Park. He's yes, in like real everything. He oh is. God. It's like Miguel. Sol- you would totally recognize him, Chris. Yeah, he's in tons, and he. You would think he's like a little short guy. Miguel yeah. Sandoval. Yeah, that's yes. the tall punk, the one who talks like this. Yeah, because he was told to talk like this. <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Like yeah. he's like, oh wow, that's the punk. 
uh, he's been in a million things. Yeah, I he's mean, in everything. He's in Get Shorty. Yeah, yeah. he was on Queer the TV show Danger. with Patricia Arquette that she had, whatever that was, the medium, or I can't remember, but yeah, he's in tons of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a big time character actor. <laughs> oh, he's in, how, Howard the Duck, Howard the Duck must have come out around this time, right? Was it 80s? Uh, yeah. He was. He went from Repo Man, then he did Straight to Hell, which I think was another. That's Alex Cox, yeah. Alex Cox. Sid and Nancy, another. Alex Cox. Cox. Man. And then he yeah. did Howard the Duck. Uh, what you yeah. call a working actor? <laughs> yeah, he did Walker, which I another think Alex was, Cox. Cox. Uh, do the, and then do the right thing. Yeah. Not Fever. Alex Cox. Not Alex Cox. Jungle no. Fever. Yeah. So then he went switches little Spike Lee. Yeah, Spike Lee. Oh, he was uh, in uh, he was in Repo Chick too. Now I have Repo Chick, but I have not watched Repo Chick. I I didn't even know Repo Chick. It looked. It's I saw a trailer and it looked terrible. So I, I've had a DVD of it since I worked at the paper, and I've never watched it. Is it a sequel to Repo Man? <laughs> I, think of, of, I think kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was oh, a, there Alex was a, Cox. It is. Yeah. Him. Oh wow! He did it. Yeah. But Easy. I don't know. It's like no. like really CGI, tons of like cheap animation kind of stuff. Yeah. Did I say he's he's teaching like film and screenwriting at University of Colorado now? Is he Alex Cox? He's written yeah. a couple books about like filmmaking and he's like a huge spaghetti western guy. I think he wrote a book about spaghetti westerns too. Okay. Well that's Walker, wasn't that like Yeah, that was that was like his tribute to yeah. spaghetti westerns. <clears throat> Interesting. Maybe. Yeah, he did Sid and Nancy after this, right? Yeah. 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 Yes. But this movie is more punk than Sid and Nancy, I would argue. I would argue okay. as well. I would argue that's because the Sid and Nancy weren't really that punk. Yeah, they were just, you know, uh, they were on the, the lead song, though, they were what is it? Uh, Iggy Pop wrote it, but uh, mm-hmm. Steve Jones, Sex Pistol guitarist, I think he plays guitar on that, the theme song. Oh, that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, with that, we can't talk about Repo Man without talking about the soundtrack to Repo Man, which is there. Yep, there it is. Um, one of the greatest movie soundtracks. Yeah, it's great. Ever. And this, you know, the success of this soundtrack ever get it uh, help get the movie in the theaters, at least in the, like some small theaters. That is the uh, yeah the, the they talked about that on the disc. There it was like the movie. At some point, like they weren't going to release it to theaters at all, mm-hmm. but they released the soundtrack. MCA, who was the parent company, released right. the soundtrack, and the soundtrack started selling really well. And they're like, "You got to make this movie. You got to you got to put this movie out. The soundtrack's doing great." Yeah. So that's kind of helped helped get it out. It didn't do great in theaters, but it did get re released later, right? Re released, and then what, as soon as it hit home video, I think yeah. it just was. I mean, because. You know, I mean, Criterion, what, 40, almost 40 years later, they put it out. Which is kind of crazy that it's a Criterion. I know. Yeah. I'm glad Repo it Man is. It's a Criterion too. collection film. <laughs> I'm glad that Criterion does not take themselves so seriously. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that right. they right. recognize something so that's. One, one other side note on the soundtrack there's a, uh, uh, a brewery in Chicago called uh, Revolution Brewing. Mm-hmm. And they over, I think over the course of a year, every month they would have a new beer release, and they did the entire Repo Man soundtrack and did really? a beer for each each song. Oh. And so you say, really, each song? 
And uh, I say, yes, they even had a beer called When the Shit Hits the Fan. I don't want to know what that one tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's, I remember the coup d'etat being uh, particularly good. Soundtrack's got, it's, it's got Iggy Pop, it's got uh, Black Flag, Suicidal Tendencies, Circle Jerks, um, Fear. You know, it's a real, like, L.A. punk oh, yeah. kind of time capsule. I guess, yep. um, uh, so Dick Reed talks about that on the disc as well. He talks about being in the studio. He's like, I'm like 17 years old, punker from L.A., or from Southern California, and... Uh, now I'm in a movie that's kind of based on me <laughs> and I'm in a studio watching Iggy pop do the soundtrack, the leads, the theme song about a movie that's kind of about me. That's <laughs> gotta like, be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like insane. But, um, uh, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a really great punk soundtrack for sure. I mean, yeah. it's not, you know, uh, it's funny, like I wasn't I wasn't the biggest fan of suicidal tendencies or the circle jerks. Mm -hmm. But those songs when you hear them Oh yeah, you know, again, institutionalized. When you hear institutionalized, I mean it's such a, you can't believe it yeah. exists at first. I'm like, what is this song? I can't yeah. believe this. Yeah. It's so weird. And I hear it every once in a while on a there's a Sirius XM radio station that plays punk and every once in a while they play that song and it's just like and it's the same reaction like i can't believe this is this what is this, this is such what a is this because the first time because it's that long build where it's just him yeah. talking and yeah. talking you're like what am i listening to and, and then it just explodes the, the, and then it goes back behind and, it yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. what it was a pepsi she wouldn't give it to me <laughs> <laughs> <So> good <laughs> Once again, the, yeah. how, like that is the perfect encapsulation. That song is such a perfect encapsulation of, of sort of being a teenager. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's nineteen eighty four, man. I mean, we as I mean, we're all comic book fans, but you look at this film and it's a real easy jump from Repo Man to Dark Knight Returns. You know, with that kind of post apocalyptic near post-apocalyptic landscape and just feeling completely disenfranchised from the Reagan administration and well, consumerism and all. I mean, they're, they're cousins of each other in a, in a certain way, you know, everybody, you know, is kind of talking right now about like how COVID has affected New York and LA and how a lot of these urban centers, you know, are sort of, you know, really torn down and, abandoned and that kind of thing it's like do you not remember yeah the fucking 70s and 80s new york and la like new, how new, yeah new york now in its <laughs> its post-covid destruction is yeah. not anywhere like it was in fucking 1975 no it's <laughs> no. insane i mean there would be you know i was just watching some documentary stuff but there would be whole blocks in the bronx yeah. blocks of apartment buildings just on fire yeah yeah just on fire. It's what was fire. What, what was the Netflix show uh, about? Kind of like the beginning of hip hop in in New York. Hip -hop. Yeah, um, it wasn't. You like know that. what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's up, like the up on, yeah. It's like up on the downbeat or something mm -hmm. like that. It was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they were pretty true in how they were showing like 1976. You know, Brooklyn was yeah. fucking scary. <laughs> and yeah. there's a great um, book called. 
the Bronx is burning and it ties together like well, the Bronx burning. It ties together a mayoral <laughs> election. The when uh, the Yankees were in the World Series with Reggie, then the blackout, like the rise of rap, the rise of disco. It was insane what was going on yeah. all in like, you yeah. know, this one, you know, a square foot area or square mile area. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, we're like Repo Man is other side of the country and you've got the, the, the LA Orange County punk scene. And also, you know, it probably, I'm, I'm not a hip hop aficionado, but you know, I don't know if like West coast rap is even the seeds yeah, of it, it are being sown at that point. Cause it really kind of starts in New York and then that pops up, but yeah, it's just this really neat time capsule of, of weird American life in, in the early eighties. I mean, repo man, it is a sweet spot of like 1984, which was a weird fucking year. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and you know, yeah. going, speaking of comics and that era in this movie, I mean, early love and rockets was like, yeah. you know, there was all, they were doing punk flyers that, you know, practically be hanging this movie before they, and, and, the and weird sci-fi shit. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it was, yeah. it was a punk, it was a black and white, punk comic with it had ufos in it yeah and self-published originally you know very zine like and uh, yeah that's crazy 1984 the uh top 10 movies that came out in 1984 mm. at, for box office gross beverly's hills uh, well let's go uh, but we'll go number 10 splash mm -hmm. number nine star trek three the search for spock <laughs> number eight romancing the stone number seven footloose six police academy uh, number five, The Karate Kid. Number four, Gremlins. Number three, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm -hmm. Number two, Ghostbusters. Number one, Beverly Hills Cop. I that's thought that's at least seven or eight of those in the theater. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was huge. Multiple I, times. Multiple times. I think the only one I didn't see in theaters was probably Romancing the Stone. I Step. didn't see that either. I might have seen that in theaters. I probably Actually, saw I might that. not have seen Flash. I don't know. I Romancing I, the Stone. Wow, they got that one out quick after Indiana Jones, just in time <laughs> for Indiana Jones and the and the Temple of Doom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, had, had is that Michael look? Douglas. Yeah, yep. And okay. Kathleen Turner and Dan. I like. I just saw that for the first time a couple of years ago. Really? And yeah, that and the other one yeah. I just saw last year was the Karate Kid. I'd never seen it. What? You've never seen the Karate Kid. I don't know why. You can I never, never saw call it. yourself the movie man again. How is that possible? I just had never yeah. seen it, and then I just yeah. And then you figure you'd watch the uh, Citizen Kane right after that. I think you turned your mic off, Will. We can't. No, hear I, th you. I think I think the I think the the movie gods turned his nope. mic off. Something nope. happened. Oh no! Guys, what do I do? Go. Now there we you go. go. You're good. Nope. Now you're nope. gone again. Now you're gone. Better? No. Yes. There you go. Okay, like that. Yes. Yep. Okay. I move. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> computer. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's uh, okay. No problem. He's have to. He's just got to hold it. Hold his mic in place. I think so. Yeah. Well, we'll you guys see. have seen that um that meme that's been going on the. It's like a Cineplex four theater place. It's like a uh, you know, I don't know, Hillside Square you know megaplex movie theater from 1987 it's the summer of 1987 and uh, four movies on oh, the I've seen it. yeah yeah so it's like what is it predator robocop full metal jacket full metal and jacket and the lost, boy. lost boys yeah and so 
I saw I all started, those in the theater that summer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I started looking up movies from 1987 and the list of movies that came out in, in 1987. It is yeah. insane. It's it's like, like uh, unbelievable. But I mean, looking at this list, it's pretty insane too. Like the 80s were such a like incredible Concent time con concentrated amounts in different entertainment medium. I mean, mm -hmm. you look at at you know the your comics in 1986 1987 you look at those movies dropping you look at at music i mean it was it was concentrated it was it was neat it was neat it was a great time up. to be like our age yeah you know, to yeah. be young no fans to worry about just you know oh yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. 1984 i was 13 so it's like something like repo man <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> blow my mind uh, yeah um yeah yeah it, the 80s were such an odd like i was talking about this to somebody else like you know they i love obviously 70s cinema mm -hmm. you know, sort of like the, the outlaw cinema kind of stuff that that was going on in the 70s and then mm -hmm. but the 80s was like this you know incredible Big, like everything of, was you know huge yeah. and well fun i mean well made too fun, and, yeah you know. And then the '90s was a bit of a downturn. Yeah, I would agree. You know, two yeah. uh, I mean, thousand for those kind of movies, because like in the '80s you had like you mentioned like Ghostbusters, or you had like Back to the Future, and these were huge movies, but like really good, good and you know? funny, and they weren't just them, good they movies. Yeah, because I think what happens then you get into like the two by the two thousands, it's like everything is just gigantic movies. There's no, you know. And that by Solid now, it's like, yeah. everything's a superhero movie, and yeah, and everything's gonna have a sequel, you know, like, yeah, the, you, you're going into a universe, you know, as opposed to, I mean, when Ghostbusters came out, I wasn't like, I need to see 10 movies like this, it was like, this one movie is great, yeah, that's yeah. all I need. I, uh, yeah, the 90s was an interesting one because I mean, you obviously had good, like, in indie stuff, mm -hmm. but I think, yeah. There was, I, I think know. of the '90s as like the rise of Tarantino and Guy Ritchie. Tarantino yeah, and like, that's... like Paul mm -hmm. Thomas Anderson and Wes Anderson. Yeah. You know those. Anderson. Yeah, I would agree. It's more those kind of already movies. Yeah, Tarantino especially though. Yeah, yeah, that was you know kind of his his decade. He's still yeah. going. Yeah, well, I, th I think I he just. Made, I, I think he. We talk, we talk about, about it every movie. time Will's on. I, I think know. he just made his best movie. I know. He's good. I love Tarantino. I do too. I was I thinking like about the go off on a Tarantino for just a little bit, but I was like, I remember seeing Reservoir Dogs in the theater. I drove into Chicago because mm -hmm. I had read about it somewhere. And it's like, you know, that was almost 30 years ago. And it's like to, you know, so I've kind of been a fan of Tarantino for his whole career. And it's fun to watch him because he's like, I think he's really one of the greats. I mean, he really mm -hmm. makes great movies. And it's just been kind of fun to, to watch a whole career. Like I love Scorsese, yeah. but I wasn't watching Taxi Driver when I was six or seven no, or whatever. You no. know, yeah, Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, Tarantino was starting to make movies whenever we were in late high school or college, and so he was he was the new it guy. And now we're old, and we can look back on like thirty years yeah. of filmmaking. <laughs> and it's you know, there's a lot of guys who, and you know, a lot of directors who they're kind of you love them when you're young and when you get older you're like well that was fun but but him it's like he really <laughs> Kevin Smith. He really is good uh, who sorry Kevin Smith 
<laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. Seven strong. <laughs> when did when did uh, um, talking about Scorsese? When did Raging Bull come out? It was like I think 80, 80 or eighty one. Because I saw that in okay. theaters. I probably shouldn't have, but I was pretty <laughs> yeah. young. I was, but that was like my first Scorsese. Yeah, I think I must have. I don't know what mine would have been. It must have been Raising Bull, I would think, because I I wouldn't have gone to see like New York, New York, or I wouldn't have cared. Right. Unless I saw Taxi Driver in high school, maybe like on tape. What year did that come out? Taxi Driver was I want to say seventy seven, seventy six, because it was it was up against the Oscar with that network, all the presidents, men, Rocky, and God, one dude. other movie. And lost to Rocky. And Rocky, and and Rocky, Rocky won. Rocky won. Rocky's a great movie. I got nothing against Rocky. Rocky. A it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great movie, sir. It's a great. I movie. remember seeing um, Taxi Driver long before I saw the movie. I mean, years before I saw it. There was a picture in mm-hmm. like Time or Newsweek, just a little black and white picture. I've never forgotten this. Seventy six of Travis Bickle like pointing his yeah. finger in his ear, the and blood. his fingers all covered in blood. It's like at the end when he's going like, yeah. Phew. But I saw that and. I was so horrified by that picture because I thought he had pushed his finger into his head and pulled it out like that was his blood on his finger. And I was like oh, really disturbed oh. as a kid. Like I was like, I don't want to see that movie. <laughs> you know? I love it. I've seen it like 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is interesting though, like to watch like Tarant- like you said, Tarantino. I think that's one of the reasons and I'm with you. I think once upon a time in Hollywood is his best movie, and not ever, not everyone agrees with that, and that's fine. Yeah. And I've had discussions with people, and I understand why people don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it is because it's sort of to me, it's the culmination of everything he's learned. I would agree. It's taking his innate talent that he had from the beginning, mm-hmm. of dialogue and and sort of this character uh, study. Work. His, we, his camera work but by the yeah, time he has it. gotten to once a time in hollywood he has refined everything and learned so much and it's like he puts it all in that film right and he's i think he's mature enough where it's not just like look how cool i can be it's like yeah. you know he really takes time to like just these beautiful shots of like the streets and the neon signs coming on and all that it's just you know, that's something an older filmmaker would do, I think, because it's just like, this is something, you know, put something up on screen, people are going to remember. And then, yeah. you know, there's some crazy violence at the end and funny stuff, but it's not all, you know, it's about guys who were over the hill. Yeah, it was a changing Hollywood. It's a love letter to 1969 L.A. Yeah. That's how I... Into the kind of movies that were made back then and to mm-hmm. the, the people who made the, you know, because... Leo's character's not, he's not like a big star. He like was a working actor and he made a bunch, he went to Italy and made a bunch of semi-crappy movies and came back. But it's like, you know, Tarantino loves the real people who, who did that. Mm-hmm. He loves that stuff. Oh, it's a love letter to, to um, <laughs> oh. um, Margot Robbie's character. Sharon uh, Tate? It's Sharon <laughs> Tate. It's, yeah. You know, what it is, is... In a lot of ways to me. It is, it is a love letter to all those things, but it's also, yeah. it's, him taking back those murders right yeah. right they yeah. did to hollywood what they did to la mm-hmm. and he grew up in la and and he said it before it's like you don't know you, you don't understand la unless you you were born there 
Right. Like, he even makes fun of like uh, uh, DiCaprio about that. It's like you, you know, him and him and Brad Pitt were born in Los Angeles. They grew up in Los Angeles. They know what. And it's like DiCaprio, as much as he's Brad the biggest, Pitt, yeah. like, he doesn't. You don't get out of L.A. You don't understand L.A. He kind of tells him that in a joking fashion, yeah. but to I think to Tarantino, like 1969 and those those murders, it completely changed Los Angeles at a time when he it was very influential on him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's him taking that mm-hmm. back. It's his, he would have been his alternate timeline. He's created yeah. where it's like he's he killed Hitler, right? You know? in, in in the Quentin Tarantino universe. Hitler loses. Yeah, Hitler's dead. Hitler. Yeah, yeah. yeah the World War II didn't end like it. Yeah, I think it yeah. did. And yeah. and you know, it's like he that he. It's his alternate universe that he's created, and it's his history that he's almost trying to retell. You know, the, the, these versions of history that. So I think he talks about like 1969. People didn't close their doors. Yeah, it was it was the it was the end of the innocence. That was you know yeah. before that kids could hitchhike. Yeah, that's true. It's about mm-hmm. L.A. and it's about old Hollywood and it's about these stars and it's about Sharon Tate and it's about Charles Manson and all those things. It's really just about, to me, it's about him going, well, this is what L.A. would have been if that hadn't happened. This is what it could have. This is, you know what I mean? Like this, this is what I want to have happen. So I'm gonna switch. Yeah, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna make it not happen, and then I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. He's basically. Yeah, he's retelling history. And it is, you know, when you watch, because I've heard of people, I guess younger people who didn't even know what was about. You know, they didn't. <laughs> they they didn't, didn't know what was happening. You know, they didn't like. Why is this such a big deal? Why are Why are we following these people? You know, but for someone like us who grew up knowing about Manson and all that, I mean, we're, I was. You know, two when it happened, but well, I think you and I should just do a Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> no, we keep going because we always end up talking. Up talking about I, I was going to say, um, so thank you everyone for listening to <laughs> our, Repo Man, our, our podcast on Repo Man, proving once again that every, every every movie comes back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's right. We could yeah. do, we could do start with Reservoir Dogs and work our way through. I would be. Oh, I'm people. not. I'm not invited. I'm not invited for this. Is that <laughs> no, we didn't say that. Yeah. Absolutely. We could do ACTV. I'm I'm completely (laughs) down with us doing around Tarantino. Around Tarantino. (laughs) Oh my god! We'll do do the filmography. Talk a lot now about comic books. Oh my god! When I when Pulp Fiction came out, I worked at the newspaper and. I was in the graphics department. It was me and a couple other people, and me and one of the other graphic artists. We talked about Tarantino so much that our boss had to take us aside and tell us to shut up about Pulp Fiction. <laughs> well, you know, what, you were, what you were saying—that's a great story. <laughs> what, what you were saying about uh, you know going to see um, Reservoir Dogs, uh, and and that, I can't. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember where we saw it, but it was. It was that was the movie where my wife and I went and saw that, mm-hmm. and we didn't know anything about it. We didn't know yeah. who Quentin Tarantino was. I think we had seen True Romance, yeah, or something, and and kind mm-hmm. of had an inkling. Would it been? I can't remember if that was before or not. No, True yeah. Romance was not. Yeah, it's unless you saw unless you saw Reservoir Dogs. I mean, that's his first. I don't movie, remember. Right? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. Well, no, it's not his first script. It's his first movie he directed. Right. Okay. Yeah. True. True romance came out years later. 
Okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, but uh, um, we went and saw that, and then it was like, who the fuck is this guy? And it was probably yeah. really was the first director that I ever was like, okay, I need to see the next movie this guy does. I don't right. know. I don't know who this guy is. You know, mm-hmm. I never. I don't think I ever did that with a director before that. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I think that was the first time. And then I remember yeah. us waiting in line to see Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction came out the day it came out. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that opening night. Had, yeah. had Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels come out about the same time as Reservoir Dogs? No, I had, that was that was after. Was it okay? I had to be. I think I remember seeing when I saw Reservoir Dogs, and again, I didn't know much about it. Maybe I knew Steve Buscemi was in there. I mean, I don't know what I knew, Harvey but Keitel. I distinctly remember during the ear scene, like every you could feel everyone in the theater just pushing themselves back into their chairs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's so horrific and yeah. amazing. But you don't see, you know, you don't see him do no. it. it. But you think, oh, yeah. all right. A, so it's been decided we're doing a a, a Quentin Tarantino podcast. Okay, Reservoir Dogs came out in ninety. I'm sure no one, no, no one else has ever done a Tarantino no. film podcast. I'll guarantee but it. We haven't done it. I think what <laughs> I think maybe we had went and seen because Reservoir Dogs came out in ninety two. True Romance came out in 93. Yeah. Lockstock came out in 98. Okay. okay. So that um, was a while. Oh, wow. So, but I think maybe we had seen True Romance and then we, I don't know if we rented Reservoir Dogs. I don't, I can't remember. Reservoir Dogs was much bigger on videotape. Yeah. Cause it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a big hit. Not, like Pulp yeah. Fiction was his hit, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. it was really big on videotape, and I think that's what happened. Is maybe we maybe we saw True Romance in the theaters because my wife is a very big Christian Slater fan, so we mm. may have seen True Romance and then rented Reservoir Dogs, and then been like, okay, now I have to go see. We ha-. but it was the both yeah. of us like we, and then we both absolutely loved Pulp Fiction, and she kind of fell off of Tarantino after that. For whatever reason, she didn't really get into Foxy yeah, like Brown. Jackie Brown was next, and then yeah. yeah, and then you get into Kill Bills, and yeah. Yeah. oh, um, um, and then there's the whole thing of the the Tarantino verse where characters are connected, and you know that got into uh, Natural Born Killers, and because the Christian Slater is what the Harvey Keitel character from Reservoir Dogs. That's a younger version of him. Is he? I never heard. That one. Uh, what I heard was that in Tarantino's crazy mind, the okay. Kill Bill movies are movies within the world that like they would go see. Like so, those are like movies. the Kill Bill okay. were were right. I knew there were some, but I could I didn't yeah. know. I think it was Kill Bill, and then there was some, when he was. I think he's adding to this, like George Lucas. But then somehow the fact that Hitler was killed, like that changed away. So that's why a movie like I don't. That's why the world is more violent in his movie. I don't know. Who knows. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so Michael Madsen's character in Reservoir Dogs is that who Mr. you're talking Long. about? He's the brother no, of no. Har- Harvey, Harvey Travolta's Har- right? Harvey Keitel. Oh, Harvey. They're like the so Vega Harvey brother? Keitel's character. Yeah, they're the Vega. Slater have the. They're the same. Yeah, they're the. Um. Did you? Did we just lose your microphone? I don't know. Chris I, froze. Chris, Chris is frozen. Like he's frozen. This is why he can't be part of the podcast. Will, don't tell him. But okay. uh, Chris can't. Be. I can hear you. He's, he's got blurred. really bad. He's got really, really bad. 
I don't think Harvey Keitel's character, Mr. White. No, it's, was, well, I mean, we he was, his name was Larry. Yeah, and it's Clarence and yeah, Christians. Holy Clarence, Clarence Larry. Holy. And it's and it's the he talks about he talks about he talks about his ex girlfriend in Reservoir Dogs and it's the oh, Alabama same no, no, no. character is but but he just Alabama. mentions Alabama but that's he, they're not supposed to be the same character because I, I think in I think in Quentin's screenplay for True maybe. Romance because I used to have a copy of that because I'm a giant nerd his name is Larry no I think Christian Slater's character dies at the end of True Romance. I think you're right. In his screenplay, and then in the movie, they changed it. I believe that is correct. And he was pissed that they changed it. Right. Clance Holy. What? Uh, is it White Boy? Thing? I don't think he, I don't think they, while a lot of the characters are either related, and that even goes yeah, all the way to like characters that are in the the, the Hateful Eight, like they're the great yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> characters in his oh yeah he definitely does that but i'm not sure that is one of them uh yeah. the clarence and and mr white uh yeah but i'll have to well, catch up and well, read and yeah. what will was saying is michael madsen is vic vega who is vincent vega's brother and they were gonna do at some point vincent they wanted vega's to do brother. a vega brothers movie kind of yeah just, yeah it didn't make sense after a while they got a little old because it was supposed to be before Right. Oh, and Travolta, I mean, Travolta desperately needs another career renaissance like he had with Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I don't know if he's got another one in him. I don't know. That. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. That, that I cat don't have Pulp nine Fiction lives. Out, when Pulp Fiction came out, it was so, it was like exciting for me to see Travolta like being a star again because I'm oh, like, absolutely. I remember when I was a kid, he yeah. was huge. And now he's Yeah. And Bruce Willis. Well, and that was when Bruce, Bruce Willis like started being good. You know, he was he was like yeah. in he could be in like a real movie. I mean, I love Die Hard more than anything, but you know, mm -hmm. like an actual serious Oscar kind of movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, think that, that was one... that was before um Six I Sense, see yeah. Dead People. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was like five years before that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there you go. There's 20 minutes on Repo Man and uh 40 half an hour on on, on Tarantino. <laughs> Every movie around comics, ACTV. Uh, so anyway, if you would like more uh, of this, you can sign up to be a patron over at patreon.com slash around comics, where we give all sorts of bonus content, including ACTV, uh, Sal does future stacks and top of the stack. And... Next. That's right. I like that. Uh, oh, ACTV. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, I tell you what, we'll we'll let the prospective patrons, um, um, you know, vote with their dollars. If you want to hear uh, around comics talk about Karen, Quentin how Tarantino much, movies, how uh, much of a up. stretch goal do we have to make it on Patreon to get Will as a permanent, uh, <laughs> permanent Quentin Tarantino? Oh, I'll be on that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that for nothing. I'll do that for yeah. nothing. Uh, all right, all right. We could be starting something. <laughs> Uh, there's other stuff like Tom versus, and then of uh, oh, I've got uh, interview this week, swear to god. Uh, so you'll get a new uh, 30 minutes with interview this on. week. Um, hmm, still waiting on a new Tom's versus. I have Tom versus, yep, and then of course, there is um, um, the always free and, and available to everyone Tuesday episode. Oh, and Sal, Sal's writing, 
you're doing reviews. I liked your Shang-Chi oh, uh, review. I have, I have done a few written mm-hmm. comic book reviews on uh, the Patreon. And those are free. They, well, they're, if you're a patron, you get them early, earlier than everyone else, like three days early, but they're free after yep. that. So, uh, yeah, people can go if they want to read my comic book reviews. There you uh, go. Just I pick, pick a few books a week. Usually I try to. And uh, and speaking of writing, Will, what, what you up to anything these days? You know, I am up to something. I've actually turned in the first issue script and I'm working on the second. And it is, but I, I cannot say anything about it. And I'm not just being coy. I literally signed a legal document saying I cannot say anything. Well, you've been wanting to write Spider-Man for years. I've been what? (laughs) You've been wanting to write Spider-Man for years. Oh, I'd love to write Spider-Man. It's not Spider-Man. It's new characters. Is it Marvel or DC? It's neither. Oh, neither. But but I'm anticipating this to break anytime now, but I'm legally bound from saying anything. But I'm very excited about it. It's superheroes. I'll say that. You'll say it next week on the... Uh, ACQ, <laughs> and we'll talk about Madonna. <laughs> oh God! So we have, so we're starting with Reservoir Dogs, huh? Okay, um, I'm good. I'm good with that. All right. So uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. We enjoyed bringing it to you. Uh, more stuff for Around Comics at AroundComics.com. Check out patreon.com slash around comics and there's all the social media stuff. So anyway, we will be back on Tuesday night with our regular around comics video stream. And then that's released uh, for the audio folks afterwards. In the meantime. Oh, and thank you, Will. Thank you, Will, for sitting in. Thank you, guys. I love it as always. always. So much fun. (laughs) Yeah, we're not, we're not, I mean, we're not as formal with you because you're just kind of, one of the one of the guys so yeah, yeah so so thanks well um all right we'll be back on tuesday night in the meantime in between time we'll be everywhere in and, and around. around comics actv repo man quentin tarantino review show there's a lot of things in common there <laughs> <laughs>